Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to another great episode. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. Before we move on to anything else, we're going to give it up for that band. I love it. I love it. Toe-tapping music. I swear they get my blood going and get me so happy every time I hear it. Oh, wow. Our guest band this week is Drew in the Grooves. That was suggested by a longtime listener, fan, and friend, Becky B. I've mentioned her through many, many, many episodes in the past. Thank you, Becky, for that wonderful suggestion. And that was our band this episode. And, I, you know, I tell you, that band gets better every week. I swear they do. They have to. Ah, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Uh, Episode 71. We're cranking right along, and it is such a thrill to be here. I I am so happy every time I sit down, press the record button, hear that music start, and here we are. This stream of consciousness podcast that I throw together, almost literally, (laughs) and put out to you guys. This week, uh, as the title says, genitals don't make gender. We're going to get to that in just a bit. We also have another famous woman sharing the best advice she's either given or received. This week, we're on number 16, chugging right along on that. (laughs) We do have a secondary topic. It's another literary observation, just like we had a couple episodes back. And yes, of course, we're going to have listener feedback because, you know, that's what it's all about, is given back to you folks because you give it to me. Or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of listeners, welcome new listeners. If, the, if this is your first episode, welcome aboard this crazy train ride, sleigh ride, I don't know, craziness that I call Changes in Latitudes a Transgender Experience because it's my experience falling under that transgender umbrella, which uh, I, I'm genderqueer, gender fluid, and that falls under the big umbrella of, gender, of transgenderness. So here we are. And so welcome to uh, new listeners if you've chosen this episode to start your journey with, I guess. Uh, I don't know any other way to say that. And of course, welcome back, longtime listeners, binge listeners. No matter how you listen, welcome back. Thank you so much. Even if this is just your second episode, you're a longtime listener. So welcome back. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, let's talk about last week's episode, number 70, Shoes, Shoes, Clothes, Makeup, and Shoes. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that, uh, little stories I shared about, well, um, mostly falling in love with female shoes <laughs> and how, how, how I love to wear them and how they make me feel. And, of course, clothing and makeup, because that's part of the, part of the package for me. That's part of the whole well, experience (laughs) for me. That's part of it. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was fun to put together because I reflected back on those first few times in my life when I did try on 
uh, women's shoes for the first time and did have female-based makeup applied for the first time. And it was just a wonderful reminiscence for me. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. And then I did share a few songs in there, a couple songs that were submitted by listeners. Thank you, listeners. You know who you are because I mentioned it in the episode. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Also, I haven't mentioned this in a long time. Uh, Everybody, go to our homepage, which is over at Blogspot, Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. On the right-hand side, and then again near the bottom, and of course on every episode, there's a link for a survey. It's an anonymous survey. Take, I think, what, five, six, seven minutes, however long it takes. Answer the questions. They're marketing questions. It helps the show grow. But more importantly, there's two sections where you can type in your own words anonymously. You know, unless you say what your name is, I am not going to know. You can say what you like and dislike about the show. And I share it here on the show because it is all anonymous. So if you haven't done it yet, go to Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. Search for that link for the survey, the audience survey, and take less than 10 minutes. I know that. And, you know, if you're a slow typer or slow clicker or your internet connection slow and fill it out. It really helps the show grow. Plus, you can find all past episodes over on Blogspot there. We also have an Amazon affiliate link. Thank you so much for those who have clicked through our Amazon affiliate link and done your shopping on Amazon through our link. Pennies on the dollar. Come back and help out the show. And I really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to donate to the show, we have a PayPal donate button right there. You can, however you want to justify it, buy me coffee, buy me drink, buy me a sandwich, buy me meal, whatever you want to do. However you want to do it, you can do that right through the PayPal donate button. We also have links to Stitcher and iTunes. If you use either one of those, of course, please rate and review the show on the appropriate ways on those two different uh, podcatchers. And if you use some other podcatcher by the RSS feed, which is also available over on Blogspot, if you just want to use the RSS feed for your own personal podcatcher, however that podcatcher has their ratings and reviews or whatever they do, because everyone's a little bit different out there, rate and review the show because it really helps the exposure of the show because because by now there are so many of you out there listening you stumbled on the show somehow whether you saw it on twitter or you saw it on facebook or you know you you searched google for you know transgender podcast and it came up or you searched itunes for it however you found it because somebody took the time to rate and review is how you found it so pay it forward Give a rating, give a review, so it can help the show gain exposure for those listeners that are out there looking for it. You can also join in the fun on Facebook, facebook.com slash Changes in Latitudes podcast. I do a lot of stuff there. You can interact with me through the messaging system there, and that's private. You can post stuff to the page and share it. If you find an interesting article or something, go ahead and share it there. I do. That's what I, that's what I do. I share information about the show and then other transgender-related things, and sometimes not transgender-related things because, you know, life isn't always about being transgender. You can send me an email at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. And I have an announcement. I have changed the Twitter handle. Yes, the Twitter handle is now at CIL Podcast. Changes in Latitudes Podcast. And I did that just recently, so if you followed me already, you're not even going to be affected by it. You'll notice it, but you're not going to be affected by it. But if you're looking to follow me on Twitter, search out... CIL podcast, Changes in Latitudes podcast. Now, you might be wondering why I named it that. 
It's because other variations were taken. So I couldn't. So I was stuck with that. There you go. So join in the fun there. I don't use Twitter all that often, but if you tweet at me, I will be sure to tweet back at you. And while you're out on the internet, why don't you check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash, you guessed it, Changes in Latitudes podcast. It's crowdfunding for independent artists and personal content creators like myself. Check it out. There's a video to tell you how it works. It's safe. It's secure. Takes a little bit of your time to sign up, and it helps the show tremendously, tremendously. I've got different levels of contributions from a dollar all the way up to $20, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. And Go check it out, patreon.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. This episode is brought to us by longtime friend, fan, and patron Becky B. I mentioned her just a minute ago because she supplied the band name. Becky, thank you so much for all that you do, not just for me, not just for the show, but for all that you do in life and the world. And you know what I mean. Thank you. Okay, I think we've got enough of this housekeeping stuff. Let's get into the main topic. main topic. Here we go. The title of the show, Genitals Don't Make Gender. Now, this was submitted by a longtime friend and fan of the show, Addison, who was our guest on episode 40 and 41. So go check out her episode there. But it's actually something I wanted to share. And it was on my list. I just bumped it up a little bit to be this episode instead of, I don't know, like four, five, ten episodes from now. So now before we get into anything, sit back, relax, enjoy, grab a drink, grab some food, Drive along, (laughs) make sure your earbuds are secure, whatever you're doing right now, just kick it and relax. Why? Because this whole little thing is kind of a tangent, rant, rave, vent thing. And have you ever been to a place like McDonald's where in the kid's meal or what McDonald's calls the happy meal, when when you buy one, they say, you know, do you want a boy's toy or a girl's toy? And that bothered me long and long, long ago before I even thought about coming out. Because what does it matter what type of toy it is for the child? Let the child choose. If it's a robot something or rather, or a little, you know, frou-frou dolly looking thing, who cares? Who cares? Let the child choose. Do they want a robot or do they want a doll? Ask them. Ask the child Who cares if one is specifically geared towards a boy and one is specifically geared towards a girl? Who cares? How long ago did they start saying boys can play with dolls? In fact, you know, when uh, G.I. Joe came out, that was just a boy's version of a doll. Same thing with the little action figures that are out there now. They really first started with the uh, first Star Wars movie in 77 with the whole merchandising thing. You know, those were dolls. They just happened to be a little different form. And they called them action figures. It's a fucking doll. (laughs) That's all it is. It's a doll in a different form. Who cares what gender of the child plays with it? Boys can play with it. Girls can play with it. And if they haven't decided what they are, they can still play with it. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. So places like McDonald's have really started to piss me off ever since I came out. And 
since I became a parent because I ask my child, they have a little display on the wall and I say, okay, which one do you want? Or I ask them, you know, what do you have? Show me. And I show my child and I say, which one do you want? And he only, he wants both usually, <laughs> but I say, no, okay, no, only one. And you get to choose one and he'll choose whichever one he wants. I don't really care. It's a toy. And let's face it. If you're a parent or you, you know, of a young child like myself or your child who's grown, whatever, you've been through the fact that it's just a little toy and within six months or so, it's going to be lost or broken or something and the child is not even going to remember it. And then you're going to have some children that will remember it, but that's, that's not the, the mass population. <laughs> Most of the time, it's lost. And then usually after it's lost, about another six months later, the kid finds it out of nowhere. <laughs> Even though you've searched high and low for it, I don't know how they do that. That's just the magic of a kid. I don't know. Maybe it's because they're so short and they're closer to the ground. I don't know. Could be. Anyhow, it really doesn't matter what the toy is geared for. And the same is true for, for so many other things. Clothing, colors. Who cares if pink is for girls or blue is for boys? That hasn't been that way for decades now. I can't remember the first time I saw a pink shirt on a guy. I was younger. I don't know if I was a teenager or not and saw like a, an older guy, you know, and at that age, <laughs> older would be late 20s, early 30s, wearing a pink button-down shirt. Who cares? Who cares? Doesn't matter. There is no gender to color. There's no gender to color. If you like it, then it's a good color. If you don't like it, well, it's not necessarily a bad color. You just don't particularly care for it. Same is true for food. Same is true for food. You know, I, you can't, I can't think of anything specifically, but, you, you know, you get a, like a, a chocolate cake is made, you know, you know, very masculine, and a angel food cake is, you know, more feminine. Who the fuck cares? It's food. Just enjoy it. Be grateful that you have it to begin with because, you know, a lot of people don't. So just fucking enjoy it. It doesn't matter if it's geared towards one gender or the other. Who cares? It's just food. And speaking of colors, you know when you get these coloring books and they're, they're, they're you know, typical, you know, characters that have a color scheme to them. You know, their shirt's always red and their pants are always blue or whatever. You know what I mean? There is nothing in the world that says you have to follow those color rules. Only if you want to. If you want to make the pants purple, the hair blue, the shirt green, the shoes orange, who cares? It's coloring book or sheet or whatever. It doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter. So we got to stop this gendering of food and clothes and toys. And the easiest way to do it is in the nicest way possible whenever, you know, you're at McDonald's or someplace like that and they say, oh, is it a boy or a girl? Just say, what does it matter? Does, does, the, does the toy have genitalia? Because that's when it's going to matter. That's when the toy is a boy or a girl, is based on the genitalia, just like we were when we were born. And I think that's going to be changing in the distant future, but that's on a whole other tangent for other things. <laughs> but you see my point. If the toy doesn't have genitalia, it really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not necessarily for a boy or for a girl. Doesn't matter. And even if the toy had a specific genitalia, does it really matter if a boy plays with it or a girl plays with it? No. Let the child choose. Same thing with clothes. You know, as my child grows and, and he's out in the world and says he wants to, you know, 
I can't think of anything right now. Wear wear a specific colored T-shirt or something that is, uh, is specific. Like, like I mentioned in many past episodes, uh, T-shirts that are specifically designed for the feminine body. The you know the shorter sleeves and the, the the lower neck sort of thing. If he wants to wear something like that, I don't fucking care. Yeah, it's originally made for a woman, girl, whatever. But it doesn't mean that the boys can't wear it. Doesn't matter. If that's what he wants, that's what he can wear. The only thing I will say to him is that there might be some closed-minded people in the world that'll tell you that you can't do that. And if that's the case, ask them why. Ask them why they think that you shouldn't wear that. It's your clothing. Your parents purchased it for you. You're a boy, and this is assuming that he's going to go along those lines because it seems that way now, but, you know, as he grows, just like we all did, he may find himself somewhere else. Doesn't matter. So that's the only thing I'm going to warn him on and, and just give him a little prep talk, you might say, that some people may tell you that you can't do it. Well, not in these words, but basically this. Fuck them. <laughs> wear what you want to wear. If you feel comfortable, if you feel secure in it, if you like it, who cares what you wear? Just realize that it may cause some looks or questions or what have you by others and let it go from there. Take that moment as an education moment. You know, why are you wearing that? Because I like it. Oh, okay. It's made for a girl. Well, I'm wearing it. So who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Same is true for skirts and dresses and what have you. Does not matter. And usually guys are the ones, boys are the ones that get the short end of the stick. Because if, a, if you see a, a girl wearing, you know, quote-unquote, guys' clothing, nobody bats an eye. Oh, she's just comfortable. Oh, she's, you know, going through a phase. Whatever their fucking mind puts in their head. But as soon as a guy or a boy wears something, oh, something's got to be wrong. Mm-mm. We got to get away from that thinking. We got to make society stop thinking that way. Because as I've said so many times, and I'm sure most of you know, gender is defined by the individual, and gender is a spectrum. You got boy on one side, girl on the other, or man and woman, or male and female, whatever words you want to choose, and then there's everything in between. And you can make your pit stop anywhere on that spectrum. And you can move that, 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 that spectrum along however it suits you, and change yourself all through life and you change yourself day to day if you feel a little more feminine one day fine you feel a little more masculine one day fine who cares gender is a spectrum and it's up to the individual the user you might say in fact i'm sure as far as you know clothing goes i'm sure many of you can re- remember this how many times have you gone in found a specific item of clothing and this goes for any gender doesn't matter and you try it on, and it doesn't fit, even though the size says it should. I can't tell you how many size pants that say, you know, the pant size I'm looking for, and they don't fit, even though the number says they should, and they don't. So then I got to go get either a bigger size or a smaller size or whatever and try it on and see what happens. I've noticed this more for women's clothing, because women's clothing seems to be off the fucking spectrum all over the place. You know, a large in one is tight, and an extra large is is tight as well in something else you know it's 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 like large extra large doesn't really matter depending on who you're buying it from and i mean only when you get into like double x triple x does it really seem to matter or even extra small 
that's when it really seems to matter. So even clothing manufacturers can't get their shit together as far as sizing is concerned. Of course, I think they've changed the sizing over the years because, you know, a large, some, a large uh, uh, vintage piece of clothing doesn't fit the same way as a large piece of clothing now. I don't know why. I mean, unless the clothing is specifically tailor-made for you and your body type, it's guesswork every single time. It's one of the reasons why there's changing rooms and, and things, so you can try things on to see how they fit, and if they fit, and if you like it. And why so many clothing manu- uh, department stores have return policies and exchange policies. Because they know that people may not like it after they get it. And, oh, and the same is true for flavors. You know, uh, certain flavors of different things. I mean, I mentioned the cakes a minute ago, uh, but other meals, you know. Uh, who cares if, if, if a salad is considered more feminine than a, a hamburger? You know, it, it's food. It's fucking food. Uh, toiletries. Toiletries. Now, there's a gray area because some people choose to smell a certain way, so they buy what they prefer. And so the only way to really market that would be to be at one end of the spectrum, the gender spectrum, and the other. So, you know, sometimes if, you, if you're going to go for a guy smell, you get the guy stuff. And if you're going to go for a feminine smell, you get the feminine stuff. It's the easiest way for them to market it to us and for us to know what we want. I get that. But I also think in the future, they're going to come up with, you know, agender scents and smells somewhere in the middle. I mean, they already kind of have that musky, feminine smell. And I don't know. I've always associated that musk smell with a masculine characteristic uh, feature thought process. That's it's just me and the way my mind is. I don't know what you folks think, but I hope you understand what I'm saying by that. I mean, I've, I remember finding years ago a musky vanilla. And vanilla is usually geared towards women. Not all the time, but usually and then that musk is very masculine smelling. Uh, and so you got these two con- contradicting scents, at least I thought they were. And I didn't particularly care for it when I smelled it. And I just remember thinking, hmm, there's a blending of, of both genders right there. And that was years ago. Uh, the same is true for cars. You know, uh, minivans are meant for women, technically, usually, and big macho trucks or sports cars are geared towards men. You can see how they market these fucking things. But how many women have you seen driving a sports car? I've seen a lot. How many men drive minivans? A lot. How many women drive trucks? A lot. So it doesn't matter. Stop marketing towards genders and market towards people. Um, oh, playing cards. Playing cards are even marketed towards men and women. Bridge size playing cards because they happen to be smaller, and traditionally women's hands are technically smaller than men's, usually, not always, but usually. So bridge size cards are marketed towards women, whereas poker sized cards are marketed towards men. Now, they can't just say small and large, you know, or regular and small. Or regular and large, you know, whatever choices you want to choose there. No, they have to say bridge because usually bridge in the past was a ladies game. Although I've known so many men that play bridge. I don't. I've tried to. (laughs) Oh, man. I can't. (laughs) At least half a dozen people have tried to show me bridge and I just get so confused. So confused. I just I don't 
I don't get it. I don't care about it. It's just too confusing for me. But it was many, many moons ago considered a ladies' game, a ladies' card game. So bridge cards were made smaller. Whereas poker is a man's game. Well, you flip through or you search out on YouTube or anywhere on the internet for these poker, you know, professional poker player tournaments shit. I, I've seen a number of women playing them. Well, they're going to be using poker-sized cards because that's what they use. Regardless of the size of their hands, the physical size of their hands, they're going to use poker-sized cards. You go to Vegas, you go to some you know, casino, wherever you're located, they're all over the place now with these Indian reservations, and they're going to use poker-sized cards because it's poker, hence the name of the pack of cards. It's poker. So there's a gender-specific uh, thing, and I don't think they should, you know, say... I mean, they, they're making it more so for the game, and but in the past, the games have been geared towards genders. So, I mean, they, in their own way, they're getting away from it. But I just think they should say small and large, or small and regular, or regular and large. You know, choose something along those lines. And alcohol. Alcohol is also gender-specific. For example, Southern Comfort has been marketed for years as a ladies' whiskey because it's on the sweeter side. Same thing with a lot of the, the sweet, uh, what are known as frou-frou drinks, fruity drinks, and you know those, those well drinks with a bunch of sweetness to them are usually geared towards ladies. I, I can't tell you how many I personally have had in my life you know, before coming out. And I, I can't tell you how many women I know that drink sh- things like straight fucking bourbon. I mean, I can't stand bourbon. I don't like the smell. I don't like the taste. But I know a lot of women that do. Same thing's true with, like, Jack Daniels and other whiskeys. They're, they're, they're a couple... I remember drinking with some friends many years ago. The ladies were pounding shots of Jack Daniels. Not me, because I don't like it. Give me some Southern Comfort, which I've always have liked, because it is sweeter. That's my style. And I'll, I'll shoot Southern Comfort... Well, back in the day, I, I could handle, you know, a fair decent number of shots. Now, one or two, and I'm, I'm done. I'm totally done, because, you know, that's what happens when you get older. But even drinks have been geared towards genders. Uh, even beer. Um, there, certain beers are geared towards men, and certain beers are geared towards women. The lighter-tasting beers... Uh, the low-calorie beers are, you know, generally marketed towards women. Not so much in the recent past, but when I was in my 20s, that's what was going on. And then the heavier beers and the, you know, the darker beers are geared towards men. Well, I discovered Guinness from a woman. So, you know, she liked it. She gave me one. <laughs> so, you know, fuck that. <laughs> Alcohol doesn't need to be gendered. All that matters is that we get a decent price for the decent drink that we get. We don't need to be screwed on price or size of drink. And lastly, I know I've said this, and I know you've heard it out there on the internet because it's some of the big things right now. Just because an individual has a penis does not make them a man or boy or male. Just because an individual has a vagina does not make them female or feminine or girly or womanly or whatever words you want to associate with it. It doesn't matter what's between your legs for you to choose what your gender identity is. And in saying that, I really have to 
give a hand, <laughs> take my hat off for, and this is stereotypical, but you'll know what I'm talking about, the butch lesbians that are out there. Because they're the ones that first said, no, no, I'm not going to look girly. I'm not going to look frilly. I'm going to have a short haircut, maybe looking like a man's haircut. I'm going to wear, you know, button-down shirts, whether they're made for women or not. Typically, typically they were made for men, but you know what I mean, like flannels and things like that. I'm, I'm being very stereotypical here, only so you'll know what I mean. I'm not saying that this is what it is. But my hat is off to those individuals 20, 30 years ago because they seem to be the first outwardly group of people that said, fuck you, to gender norms. Yeah, I'm a woman, and I identify as a woman, but I'm going to look... Very masculine because I'm going to wear a button-down shirt. I'm going to wear, you know, dress pants or jeans or something like that. Usually some sort of tennis shoe or dress shoe that may be considered manly. And have short haircut. I mean, I remember growing up so many times and looking at this type of stereotypical individual and wondering, is that a guy or is that a girl? Because they downplay their chest they have short hair, they usually wear no makeup, they don't really do much to their features, such as uh, eyebrows or things like that. And so my hat is off to that group from years ago, giving the finger, saying, fuck you, I'm going to do my own thing. Because they seem to be the ones that, I don't want to say started it, but they were the first group that was outwardly in the face of society. And the thing is, because they were women, nobody fucking questioned it. They kind of just, okay, you're a butch lesbian, all right, fine, go do your thing. And that's that. So I'd really like to hear what you have to say about this topic, about the gendering of things that don't need to be gendered. Food, toys, clothing, uh, well, clothing to a degree. Um, Colors, drinks, alcohol, uh, flavors, things like that. Send it my way, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. And now a word from our sponsor. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Tom Slayton. Tom, thank you so much for being here for the show. I really, really do appreciate it. Folks, this week I'm going to share something that I just recently found. It was on Tom's Twitter, and I said, ooh, this is good. And he titled it, not taking enough pictures is something I regret. And it's a little, it's, it's not very long, but it's, t- it's kind of like an essay that he put out there on, on his website. So if you want to see it after the show, tomslayton.com forward slash taking enough pictures, something regret. And I'm just going to read it to you. I sincerely regret not taking enough pictures, especially during times in my life that I now consider to have been major turning points in my life. My father bought me my first camera and every camera I ever owned during the course of his lifetime. My very first camera was a Pentax 35mm film compact point and shoot. As the years went by, my father would take my old cameras in and exchange them for newer ones, more advanced models. Unfortunately, the cost of film processing became very expensive, forcing me to conserve my film 
to one or two roles per month. In many ways, I am envious of young people today who have access to high-quality digital photography equipment, the likes of which my generation never thought would be possible. Young people of today are lucky to be able to capture important and nostalgic moments in life, then store, share, and edit them, all at virtually no cost whatsoever. During the course of his life, my father took thousands of pictures, most of which he kept in albums, though months after his passing, I found several cardboard boxes filled with sealed, unopened envelopes, filled with photographs and their original negatives. More pictures and memories are awaiting their digitization stage, and eventually I will have most of my father's photographs online. Sadly, I still lack any audio or video recordings of my father and me. Most of all, my father never took the time to document anything in his personal life, specifically the places where pictures were taken, the dates they were taken, or perhaps most importantly, who appears in the pictures. Now, as I said, I found this on Tom's Twitter, and it caught my eye because, well, it's something he wrote. It's one of his entries, his writing entries, and I related to it so much. Now, I didn't have a a lot of uh, cameras growing up. I, I was given... A, uh, I remember a Polaroid, and at one point I had a 110 camera, and I never got a 35mm or anything like that. But I remember the, the whole process of taking pictures and taking them in to be developed and getting the envelope back and having the negatives and the photos and figuring out what to do with them then, putting them in a photo album, etc., etc., etc. And so I related to, his, to Tom's story about that, and my father took tons and tons of pictures of, of my childhood growing up, the first two, roughly 10 years of my life. And, and I remember finding boxes upon boxes of just what Tom described. Photos in their original envelopes with the negatives, with no information or sometimes very little information about when they were taken and where they were taken. Now, usually the who was in it was me, so that was pretty easy to figure out. But it was the location of, of where and when that I had to, you know, go back through my life to try to figure out. And then as he wrote on about uh, today's society, having photos and editing equipment basically at their fingertips. I mean, I have an iPhone. And in the iPhone, not only can I take some great pictures, not only can I capture some pretty awesome video footage and sound quality but I can edit it. I can make a little fucking movie in my phone. In my phone. I mean, I remember being a kid in my teens when I first started thinking about movie making and then started looking into the, you know, the cost of equipment. And, well, shit, that's a ton of money. There was no way that was ever going to be happening. Not, not for me, not in my lifetime at that point. There was no way I could afford it. No way I could afford any sort of film making and editing equipment. Now, yes... Video editing and video equipment was starting to come in, but even then, video cameras were, you know, a good, few, you know, just shy of $1,000 or somewhere in that 500 to $1,000. So we're talking VHS video cameras, nothing digital because digital wasn't around, and videotape, which if you have any experience with videotape, you know it degrades in time. It breaks down. And then we're not even talking about editing, because to edit video, you had to have essentially two VCRs or a VCR and your camera, if your camera was able to work as a VCR, and you were 
playing it on one and recording it on the other. And if you know anything about um, video, <laughs> videotape specifically, or even audio tape, when you transfer it like that, you, you lose a generation. It degrades a generation. So the quality and the sound and all that is not as good as the original raw footage. Well, there was no way that I could have anything like that in my youth. So I turned my back on it and said, well, I can't do that. I'll, maybe I'll look at it later in life. Well, now, almost by accident, I have it available at my fingertips every day. And I've messed around with some of the editing stuff that's out there. And you can pay for apps. There's a ton of free apps out there. Uh, the Mac that I uh, record on and do you know, everything on my laptop came with a film editor, a, film, a digital video editor, came with it. It came with it on the fucking computer. So in just the 20 to 30 years from my childhood of wishing to be able to have video editing equipment, the, the ability to capture video and edit it, until now has completely changed. The playing field is completely leveled. Anybody that has a phone, and I do mean a smartphone, can create Video, whether it's a slideshow with a bunch of pictures or actual video. So the playing field is, is, is so, out, so low out there. And for small investments, you can have a nice editor on your computer. You know, an editor that can do some of the special effects that the big Hollywood studios do. You know, like, like for example, since it happens to be the big hot item right now, Star Wars back in 1977. That was some, you know, matte paintings and models and, and all that shit. Stop motion, you know. We can do that now in the palm of our hands. So I'm excited for what's going to happen in the next 20 to 30 years. Wow, what a tangent that was. Folks, go visit TomSlayton.com. Show him some love. Show him how much you appreciate him supporting the show. TomSlayton.com. Twenty-five famous women share the best advice they've either given or received. This week we're on number sixteen, which means we've only have nine left. After this, we got nine left. So if you have a list or something you want me to share, send it to me. I'll give the email again in a moment, and I'll put it on the show. This week our famous woman is Tavi Gevison. Now I'll admit I had to look her up. I had no idea who she was. Tavi Gevison. And the first thing that came up when I Googled her was Wikipedia. And it gave pretty much what we need to know. She, okay. she was born in uh, 1996. She's an American writer, magazine editor, actress, and singer. She came into public attention at the age of 12 due to her fashion blog, Style Rookie. By the age of 15, she had shifted her focus to pop culture and feminist discussion. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of the online Rookie magazine, aimed primarily at teenage girls. Both in 2011 and 2012, she appeared on the Forbes 30 Under 30 in media list. In 2014, she was named one of the 25 most influential teens of 2014 by Time magazine. So, she's she's a writer, an editor, an actress, a singer. Okay, that's who she is. Per quote, don't date anyone you wouldn't want to be. From the writer, Kate Bordenstein. Now, I'll admit I had to look up Kate Bornstein, and this is pretty cool. 
She's an American author, playwright, performance artist, and gender theorist. Having been assigned male at birth and then receiving gender confirmation surgery in 1986, Bornstein identifies as gender nonconforming, saying, I don't call myself a woman, and I know I'm not a man, and prefers the gender-neutral pronouns Z, her, in place of she, her, or he, him. So that's pretty cool, is that this, this young cis woman identifying as a woman is quoting a trans woman. Now let's talk about that quote. Don't date anyone you wouldn't want to be. And it, I had to think about that for a moment. You know, you want to be with people who are similar to you, have similar tastes, similar interests, similar thoughts, similar goals, because you're going to be in the same circles. You're going to have a lot of common ground between the two of you. And I get that. That makes sense. Be with somebody you aspire to be. You know, make yourself and hopefully make them better than they are. That makes perfect sense. However, sometimes some people don't want to be with people that have a lot of the same interests because they want to keep their own thing, their own circle, their own identity, we'll say. So I, I can kind of see how, how it's a good quote, but it wouldn't suit everyone. You know, some people choose to, you know, like, uh, yeah, just arbitrarily pulling crap out of my head. A doctor may not want to be with another doctor. Why? Well, because of the scheduling. Doctors and things like that, medical professions, they're away from home often, a lot. So they may not want to be with someone else in the medical profession. They may choose to be with someone as a school teacher, let's just say. You know, or, or college teacher, somebody that's a teacher. You know, because of that commonality they don't want to have. So I get that. And I think, I think that, I mean, I'm using professions as an example, but sometimes an outgoing person doesn't want to be with another outgoing person. Sometimes that outgoing person wants to be with an introverted person because the introverted person can help the outgoing, the, the extrovert, be a little more grounded and vice versa. Vice versa, maybe the the introvert wants to be with, with the uh, the in, introvert wants to be with the outgoing person because they help that person get out of their shell and move out into the world and experience life, you know that sort of thing. I get that. I totally get that. But you definitely want to be with someone who's going to make you a better you. That's for damn sure. All right, as I said, we got nine left after this. So if you've got a list or something else, send it my way. We'll put it right here in the show. Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. Secondary topic. Secondary topic. Now, I've mentioned this a couple times in the past. Uh, I am looking for a new name for this section instead of just calling it secondary topic. I mean, main topic, okay. Pretty obvious, pretty cool, because it is the main topic. It's the title of the, sh- of the episode. But the secondary topic, which I don't really play up in, in the title or anything like that, is it needs, an, it needs something different than just calling it secondary topic. So if you got something, if you got an idea, send it my way, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. 
this week is another literary observation, and it's not as it's not as in depth as as what I did a few episodes ago about uh, etc. and etcetera. <laughs> You'll have to go back a few episodes to figure that one out in the secondary topic. Uh, but this one is all is also literary in that it's the spelling of something, and it's the word okay. Now. Most of the time when I see it, it's the, the letter O and the letter K together, OK. Makes sense. That's how I've seen it most of my life. But then, in, in reading things, usually, is when I see it written out as OKAY. And I've searched it out on the internet to find out, is there a correct way, is there a formal way to spell it? Is, is, yeah, both are acceptable. That's the one thing I did find. Both are acceptable. OK, the two letters, or O-K-A-Y. Now, in my thinking about this, I'm thinking, my, this is my own thoughts. I'm not saying this is the end-all, be-all. And I would like to hear your thoughts on this as well, so send it my way. I just gave the email address, and you've heard it a few times throughout the show. And you'll hear it again, so I'm not going to say it now. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the formal way in the written word, you know, like a formal letter, uh, which you never should really use the word okay, but there are cases for it. I think that's when you would want to spell it out, O-K-A-Y. But in slang term or casual terms or casual usage, obviously the two letters, O and K, are going to be fine. And then that leads me into the okie dokie phrase that some people say. I've noticed this is more of an East Coast thing. Um, not always, but usually. And the okie dokie, <laughs> that's when I actually see it written out more. And then I started to ponder, could spelling it out, O-K-A-Y, be more of an East Coast, and then I mean East Coast America is where I'm talking about. Could that be more of an East Coast thing? And, and the West Coast being, <laughs> as many people refer to it as, the lazy coast. Could it be that we just got lazy and didn't want to add the A and the Y, and so we just leave it as OK? Could that be how it happened? I don't know. I really don't know. So the only thing I can think of is that formally writing it out, OKAY, is you know, proper usage for a formal written document. And then any sort of casual usage would be O and K. OK? OK. So the secondary part of the secondary topic is, is something I'm kind of ramping up to uh, for Valentine's Day. Now, I know it's the end of January when this show drops, and Valentine's is still, you know, a couple weeks away, which is why I'm starting this now. <laughs> and that is something I'm going to share, and that's the song Tenderly. Now, it was written in 1946 by Walter Gross with lyrics by Jack Lawrence. And it's being an old standard, it has been recorded by so many, many people. I mean, Louis Armstrong, Rosemary Clooney, Sarah Vaughn was the first, one of the first people to record. Les Brown, I mean, the list is on, it goes on and on. Nat King Cole, I mean, so many, so many male and female singers have sung this song. Now, I personally have a collection of three different songs, so I'm going to play one this week and one next week and one the week after. And just to share with you, you know, how many, how many different people have different takes on this. This week, I'm going to share a version by Keely Smith and Louis Prima. Uh, if you don't know about them, they were a husband-wife team in the 50s, 60s, late 40s, 50s, 60s. Louis Prima played King Louis in The Jungle Book. 
and Keely Smith was one of his wives and was a beautiful singer. And the recording I have is actually from a live concert version, and they combine it with uh, the song Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine. And in the beginning of the song, uh, Keely and Louis play around with each other. They tease each other. You can hear it in the, in the playfulness of the song, which is, which is why I'm sharing this version with you this week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Keely Smith would like to do a song now uh, for Miss Liza Wilson and her party, uh, Tenderly Straight. gonna change? I ain't gonna change. <laughs> then you and I came wandering by and lost in a sigh were we. The shore was kissed by sea and mist. Both hands. <laughs> I can't forget how two arts met. Ah, stamina and a vami. Gonna swim, birds gonna fly. I gotta love one man till I die. Can help loving that man of mine. Tell me he's lazy. Tell me he's slow. Tell me he's a fuckaboo. Yeah, Jerry, you know. Oh, but I can't help loving that that Italian stallion of mine. Oh, Marlene, I wish it was like that. <laughs> Damn. Whoopee! I'm too young for this man. That's a stage joke. No, 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 I wish it was. Ah. And when he goes away, that's my rainy day. Ooh. But when he comes back, honey lamb, honey child, honey bee, maron oi veva zooks the ding how. He can come home as late as can be, long as he brings the kumasagama home to me. Ah, oh, but I can't help loving that man of mine. Yeah, no, I can't help, no. 
the golf club's papa cause mama's coming home with a brand new mother putter. No, no he can come home So that was Keely Smith and Louis Prima in a medley or du- duo of Tenderly and Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine. Next week in the secondary topic, I'm going to share another version of Tenderly that I have. Here we are, listener feedback. The section that starts with porn music. Or almost porn music, I don't know. It's something I found in GarageBand that I've liked, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, This first listener feedback actually uh, goes out to uh, an anonymous responder. And I'm keeping it anonymous uh, because they hadn't listened to episode 69, and they, they contacted me asking if there were any trigger warnings because of the title, Suicide is Painless. And I, I realized I probably should have put out a little more of a disclaimer when the show was released, but there should be no trigger warnings at all. I, I, I share, you know, the history of the song. The title is Suicide is Painless. You'll learn about that. I share ways to identify when someone might be, you know, having those thoughts or if you're having those thoughts and ways to reach out for help, whether you want to help someone or you're seeking help. So there's some numbers to call and websites to look up and just my brief, brief, uh, I don't want to say understanding or intertwining with the topic. So there really are no trigger warnings. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. Now this next listener feedback actually comes from longtime listener and responder Brianna Z. And she's just a sweetheart. Uh, I've mentioned her on a few shows in the past. It's also referencing episode 69. And as I mentioned a moment ago, the song Suicide is Painless comes from the TV show MASH. And it's actually the title song, the name of the title song. And most people only know it instrumentally from the TV show. And it actually does have lyrics. And that was played in the movie. Now, in the episode, I really focused on a little bit of trivia from the movie, and that's because the song with lyrics came from the movie, and the TV show also came from the movie. Well, Brianna um, emailed me saying, I didn't mention anything about Alan Alda specifically, and Alan Alda was in the TV show version of of the show MASH, and as I wrote to her back, I said, that's because I focused on the movie. And then I realized, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are probably thinking the same way Brianna is and saying to themselves, why didn't Charlie Sabrina mention the TV show? Well, the reason I didn't mention it is because, one, I would have gone on so many different tangents about the TV show MASH, and that wasn't the focus of the episode, and also because it came from the movie. So now I'm going to rectify that and mention a few things from the TV show. Uh, first, the TV show launched the careers of so many different people, just like the movie did. And, I mean, the, some of the names are <sighs> household names, especially at the time, and probably still are. Alan Alda, for one. Uh, 
He played Benjamin Pierce, or Hawkeye. Loretta Swit, uh, Houlihan. Jamie Farr, who played Klinger. Uh, William Christopher, who was uh, Father Mulcahy. Harry Morgan, who was uh, Colonel Potter. Mike Farrell, who was B.J. Honeycutt. Gary Bergdorf, who played Radar. Kelly Nakahara, who played Nurse Kelly. David Ogden Styers, who, if you don't recognize that name, whew, uh, go search him out. He has done so many different things. He's an amazing uh, stage actor, but he's also done a lot of voices for Disney. Larry Linvell was Frank Major Burns. Uh, Wayne Rogers was John McIntyre. McLean Stevenson was Colonel Henry Blake. And there are tons more, but they're not going to be recognizable by name, and I'd have to go into, you know, more of their information on IMDb. So search out the TV show MASH on IMDb. Now, here's information of trivia regarding MASH. Now, it ran from 1972 until 1983, 11 years, and it actually ran longer than the Korean War. (laughs) So as they were filming it, near the end of the series, they started interviewing people who were in the Korean War to try to get stories to use on the TV show. More trivia. This is all comes from IMDb. McLean Stevenson, who was uh, Colonel Henry Blake, died of a heart attack on the 15th of February in 1996. The next day, February 16th, Roger Bowen, who played Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake in the movie, died of the same cause. One of those weird, you know, Hollywood things, huh? Uh, uh, Klinger, was only supposed to appear in one episode. However, he proved so popular that he became a series regular. Jamie Farr and Alan Alda were the only two main cast members to have actually served in the U.S. Army in Korea. Both of them did their tours of duty after the 1953 ceasefire. All of the replacement characters, B.J., Colonel Potter, and Charles, lasted longer than the characters they replaced, which was Trapper, Henry, and Frank. Three characters, but only two actors, appeared in both the pilot and the finale. Hawkeye, Major Houlihan, and Father Mulcahy. Father Mulcahy was played by George Morgan in the pilot and William Christopher during the rest of the run. It was Mike Farrell who asked to have his character's daughter's name be Aaron after his real-life daughter. The character's name was originally going to be Melissa. When BJ spoke on the telephone on camera, Aaron, or his then-wife, Judy, were on the other end. Now, that's something I actually didn't know. Because a lot of the time when an actor has a phone call, they're doing it to dead air. They're doing it to dead space. There's nothing there. There might be, might be somebody off camera, meaning not actually on the phone, saying some lines back to them. So there's some actual pause that the actor can take, you know, and hear something there. But that's not always the case. But to actually have somebody on the other side of the phone listening to what the words would be and and maybe saying something, especially if they're related to you, that's something special. Okay, last bit of trivia for the TV show. Radar's teddy bear, once housed at the Smithsonian, was sold at an auction July 29th, 2005 for $11,800. It was originally found on the Fox Ranch where where the TV show was filmed, and it became part of the show. There's a ton, ton more of trivia on IMDb if you're interested to go find it. MASH served as a huge influence in both entertainment and TV in general because it 
changed the way that TV was done. The, the, the whole operating scenes, the, you wouldn't see stuff like that uh, before MASH. There, there wasn't all, the blood and guts that they would show on MASH had never been shown before on television. I mean, I remember as a child seeing uh, either in rerun or, you know, when it first aired, the guys covered in blood after operating or in the middle of operating or blood spurting when, you know, they cut a vein or something or whatever. That wasn't happening before. And my, I remember my mother, who was a nurse, commenting on that at the time. They'd say, yeah, they never showed this before, and that's pretty, pretty close to what it actually is. So th- there's one example of how it changed television. And it, it, they did use a laugh track because that was just common use of the time period. Most situation comedies did or comedic shows did. Uh, but... In uh, certain releases on the DVD and VHS and such, they took it out because when it was played in uh, Europe on the BBC, they didn't have a laugh track. They didn't allow the laugh track. And one last bit of trivia from IMDb that I saw. There was one time an episode actually aired with the laugh track because they forgot to remove it. And the station got a lot of feedback saying, why is that there? It's distracting from the story. So, if you're more, if you want more information about Mash, search it out on IMDb or wherever you want to get your information from, because the internet is full of stuff like that. And Brianna, thank you so much for bringing to my attention that I should actually have mentioned something about the TV show. Oh, there we go. There's the closing music. There's our closing music. We made it. We did it. It's over. Well, almost. It's almost over. We're wrapping it up right now. Folks, thank you so much for sticking around through the end of this. You know, I really appreciate it. Longtime listeners, you know I love you for being here. First-time listeners, I hope you enjoyed this crazy stream of consciousness uh, sleigh ride that I call a podcast, and I hope you'll come back for more. I hope you stuck it out to the end. A big thank you to our sponsor, Tom Slayton. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Big thank you to all my patrons over on Patreon. Thank you for being there for me and helping me out. I really do appreciate it. Next episode, I'm going to call Public Perception. And it's kind of how people see us as we are out in the world, but more importantly, how it affects us. Now, I'm always looking for stuff for the show, topics, suggestions, comments, all of it. Send it my way. I'm always looking for guests, too. Send it my way. Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. Also, head on over to Blogspot, Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com, and take that survey I mentioned earlier in the show. It really helps out the show. And while you're there on Blogspot, click on the Amazon link and order something for yourself. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. If we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. Stay crazy, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Take care of someone else. And I'll see you next week. listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you, so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash 
Changes in Latitudes podcast. Or at the website, changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, and never forget...